Horrific Network Entertainment. What's going on, everybody? We are back on Horrific Podcast, episode 299. 2.99 for Horrific Podcast. 299 of these Horrific Podcasts, man. And we have a very cool guest to cap off the 200 era of the Horrific Podcast, Andrew Gordon McPherson. He is a a movie composer. His newest one is uh, Kids vs. Aliens, which was a spinoff of VHS 1993 or VHS 93 um, with the Alien Abduction short that went into that. This one, it's pretty much a straightforward spinoff of that kind of aesthetic, that kind of vibe, um, and it looks like a whole lot of fun. The the movie i can tell you is a whole lot of fun looks like a whole lot of fun from the trailer having seen it uh, upon the time i i talked with andrew it is it's a blast of a film if you enjoyed that short if you enjoyed you know like movies like hobo with a shotgun or anything in that aesthetic you're gonna enjoy this one the other thing that andrew does that's really cool is the dark side of the ring he composes the series dark side of the ring he also composes a uh, new series that just came out called tale of the territories and i will say man both of those shows are staples within the wrestling you know world and i would say that both of them are really uh looked upon pretty heavily as good stable staples of the wrestling world so i think that uh it was it was an added treat i had no idea that he did that going in shame on me but it was an added treat to get to talk to him about some of his experiences working on that show the so that interview is coming up in just a little bit here we debuted uh, the Cyber Horror Night show that's going to be back um, probably not this week probably next week um, and we are getting ready though to gear up to record both our Horrific Hall of Fame and our Golden Skulls episodes so be on the lookout for the ballot for the Golden Skulls be on the lookout for the final uh, horrific Hall of Fame um, not our entrance. We have two more to announce upon the release of this podcast. We're probably going to announce one today if it hasn't already dropped. And we will announce one, our headliner, tomorrow. Two big ones, man. Stoked about it. Cannot wait. Other than that, uh, news, I haven't seen a whole lot, man. The state of the world is kind of fucking wild right now, to say the least. So I hope 
wherever you are, you are, you're hanging in there. Um, we had birthdays this week. We also had, you know, I'm, if you listen to this, you know I'm a big football guy. So, you know, the playoffs, obviously. But there are a few movies, and more are coming very rapidly in the month of February that I definitely want to check out. So stay tuned for that kind of stuff. Have watched, like, The the World has been watching The Last of Us. Um, I mean, fuck, hopefully it's not a, a precursor to the situation that we're walking into, but... That has been phenomenal. You know, Pedro Pascual, uh, Pascal, he, he, he has done really amazing stuff since, you know, coming on board. And uh, I can't be more happy for the guy. He seems like a genuine dude. And everything he is doing is on fire. So, happy for that. Happy for horror. Happy for HBO all the way around. Already renewed for a season two. Um, So, you know it's going to have some Golden School nominations next year. But uh, as far as this year goes, did not, you know, come out in time to qualify. Anyway, man. That's really all the housekeeping I have. I'm waiting to be with the group. Our Campfire Chronicles season is getting ready to start pretty quickly here um a lot to talk about in that regard it's just a lot going on man trying to finish a film a lot going on tons going on so get ready and uh yeah and while you're getting ready for all the stuff coming spring summer from horrific network you can um watch Dark Side of the Ring or Kids vs. Aliens or Tales from the Territories all of which our guest this week Andrew Gordon, Mc, Andrew Gordon McPherson uh, was able to uh, compose the man has had a great career already and I got a feeling it's only going to get better so here let's go to our interview with Andrew all right gang coming up on the show right now we have a super cool guest i'm excited if you haven't watched this movie yet you will definitely be seeing a lot more of it in your your timelines and whatnot because uh kids versus aliens is a wild ride and we say it all the time on this show but uh part of the wild ride especially in horror no matter what subgenre it exists in is the soundtrack that accompanies it. And I have got a very cool composer with us today, Mr. Andrew Gordon McPherson. Thank you for coming on board and joining us. Again, I talked to you before we started recording a minute ago. Congratulations on the soundtrack. It is pretty rad. The variety of sound that you uh, composed to accompany this kids, these kids' tales uh, was super super dope and the whole picture really kind of you know ties it up with a nice bow with your soundtrack on top man thanks so much jimmy it was a pleasure to be here and i'm glad you liked the movie it was a labor of love for sure so right off the get-go you say the labor of love when the news kind of came out that this was the spinoff of the vhs short 
um, the VHS 93 short. Had you seen that movie? Yeah. Um, well, I was a big fan of Jason's before I even Jason Eisner, the director before yeah. I even started uh, working with them so closely. And, uh, you know, I think that film actually, uh, it was like, like watchmojo.com's like declared it the like best alien abduction movie ever or something like in one of yeah, their, yeah. uh, yeah. famous countdowns. So yeah, very familiar with it. Um, and you know, I'm shocked they hadn't made a sort of a feature version of it, uh, sooner, especially with, you know, those sorts of accolades. So it wasn't a surprise they were going to do it. Um, but you know, my first question is like, what's it going to sound like? Like, because I I don't there's no score really in the in the in the short. So right, the over the topness of the VHS series, all the shorts that you know compose those things. I think they all could, uh, and some of them have made really good horror feature films. So the, the fact that this one got its own feature, um, especially in today's age, where it seems like more originality from the horror genre is coming out than in like the last five to 10 years, really. Um, this one being so like drastic from the norm of, you know, the pipeline of cinema where, you know, romantic comedy, action film, The Rock, The Rock, The Rock, Vin Diesel, The Rock. Like this thing, uh, when you guys do get to watch it, if you haven't yet, uh, is literally about, without getting into too many spoilers, but aliens that are both fighting with each other, but that fight happens upon like a kid's party that the kids uh, decide to have when the parents are out of town, which I don't know if you can relate to personally, but I sure shit can. <laughs> and so it's the perfect, like it's the perfect backdrop for this shit to happen. And then you as the composer, you get brought aboard and you're sitting there and you're watching this movie without any of your music to it. What was your first thought? Like, Going in, you know, you talked about meeting with the director about what it was going to sound like. Did you already have a clear vision in your mind about like the music you wanted to write, or did you wait for him to send you stuff? Like, what was your creative process like? Um, well, I read the script uh, before they shot it. Um, Jason had asked me to be involved. I had done a lot of documentaries with Jason beforehand. He has a series called Dark Side of the Ring, which is like a, a sort of like almost true crime wrestling documentary a, series that we could talk all day about that. I love that show, but yeah, go ahead. I, I love it too. I'm really fortunate to get to work on it. So I did all the music on that series. And so when Jason's next feature was coming up, um, I think he had worked with a number of composers on hobo with a shotgun, but uh, we had had such a close relationship over the course of all the dark sides. And so I was finishing up dark side season three and he sent me this script and uh he sent it to me on a thursday or friday and like over the weekend i wrote like 10 little sketches of ideas of music of you know uh just from ideas that i had from reading the script because the script i mean the script perfectly describes what you saw so you could i had a pretty good idea like how 
crazy it was going to be and sort of like what some of the big scenes and set pieces were and stuff so i'm i wrote a lot of music for him before he even shot which was kind of like what we end up doing on dark side of the ring a lot of the times and um he sent me other stuff that he liked like he sent me sound like he sent me a, a lot of uh obscure playstation one music which was, <laughs> which was funny i think that he was just in a rabbit hole or, or of uh of playstation one music that was kind of inspiring to him and then some obscure internet bands and classic score you know, like alan Silvestri scores and uh and then he had some really weird stuff like there was a, a video of a guy playing a conch shell at an indoor pool he's like i really like this sound um so yeah i kind of like listened to all that stuff and i read the script and i and i made him some sketches and at that point it was kind of like a lot of just like high energy mostly synthy with some some orchestral elements and a lot of sound design so a lot of just weird tonal stuff Mm -hmm. i think he played a lot of that stuff on the set especially when they were shooting like in the spaceship to kind of like get the actors in the vibe of like what being under in an underwater spaceship was going to be like yeah and um and you know some some stuff he played at the party and whatnot but uh uh yeah and then he edited the film as well so he put a lot of those demos in his first cut in different places not all not all necessary places where i had intended them to go but just worked really well and i built off of those and then wrote a whole bunch of new stuff right on man the the process that you do it i know a lot of people different composers will talk about like the use of any kind of uh, temp music or you know kind of audio loopy stuff were you drawing more from the stuff that you mentioned before that he had sent you kind of like on the side or did he did he uh, send you temp music too, or was the were you kind of the temp music when you were talking about writing those ske- sketches and stuff? Yeah, in a couple of scenes, he used sort of my my rough demos, but th- there's a lot of music in this movie. Even so, it's not a super long movie. There's music from I think Sorry. I think the movie's 80 minutes, and I wrote 85 minutes of music for the movie. So it's like it's you know from the first frame there's music right till after the credits so um and through the credits so um there was a lot of temp music in it and um uh yeah the the temp music thing um you know i worked for a long time as a picture editor actually i actually worked with jason as his assistant editor on a feature a number of years ago that's when our, our we sort of started our real tight you know collaboration i guess mm-hmm. uh, even though i'm main i'm pretty much 100 percent focused on scoring these days I, I started off doing editing picture editing so i understood why it's necessary to use it and i understand for a lot of filmmakers they don't necessarily have the vocabulary to express themselves to a composer and what they want so it's an easy shorthand and in fact like when i'm doing a spotting session with a director you know my one of my first questions is always like, how close is this temp to what you're looking for? Now I'm never, I'm never trying to copy it obviously. And I find, despite what I think a lot of other composers uh, encounter, I've not found directors too often to be like, just copy this. 
that, that mm. hasn't really happened to me that often, knock on wood, but there's, there is uh, sort of data that can be scraped from the temp music when you're going, when you're going about starting to like write something new. And usually it's like, what's the tempo sort of what's the approximate ensemble that's playing. Like even just the difference between it's orchestral and ethereal versus it's, it's synths and guitars and a drum kit, you know, can, can, is a big distinction. Right. Mm-hmm. And some people might not even like, they would know enough to tell you the difference between an or- orchestra and a, you know, a rock band ensemble or something, but maybe you're, maybe it's just easier to sh- to kind of show you like, I want something like this. And, yeah. and so, but and then my job is always just just like coming up with the themes and coming up with the elements that are going to like make the whole thing feel cohesive and there's always more you know storytelling that can be done with the score that can help the picture for sure uh no matter what the piece of music is the same way that any anything that you could shoot for the movie is better than almost any uh stock you know footage right. you could get right. You know, yeah. unless it's something that it, like a tiger or something you couldn't get, you know, and, you know, some music is like that Rolling Stones or some big something that's in the psyche, uh, you know, but usually the, that stuff's written into the script anyway. So I'm not even I'm not even competing with that. So, uh, yeah, that I mean, the the temp music, the temp music thing, it's like I understand how it can like be a, a thorn in people in composer sides. But, uh, you know, until we figure out a way to, like, see the picture and then send our music back in time to the editors when they're playing it, uh, you know, I don't know how else we're going to go about that. Right. Your career path is very interesting because I've I've interviewed, you know, actors who are going into directing or want to direct, vice versa. editors the the same thing i feel like the the biggest uh, common denominator would be like uh, dps and editing like have swapped that i have interviewed a lot but to go from editing to composing i think you are the first to be able to claim that they've done that on this show what what was the the inspiration was music kind of always number one and you found your way to composing or what was it that made you decide to go down that path um it's kind of a, it, it was never a like, it was never a, I'm only doing this until I can do this kind of situation. Sure. I, I, I'm really, I'm, you know, my formal education is, is I went to film school. I went to two different film schools. I went to the Nova Scotia community college screen arts program where I met Jason originally. And it was <laughs> like 20 years ago now. And, uh, and then I went to Sheridan College and just outside of Toronto, Ontario, and did like a post-secondary thing where I specialized in sound for mm-hmm. motion pictures and actually directing. And then I ended up uh, working in a camera department. Uh, was the first job I got out of college, and that it was on a sort of early solid-state camera, like a P2 Panasonic camera. So, and I was basically a second camera op. So I was dumping cards mm. and it was like the early days of like dumping cards mm-hmm. on set mm-hmm. uh, or like what is now would be like called a DMT, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so that was like kind of enough it was and you know i'm i live in canada so at that time i was living in nova scotia which has a like pretty decent little uh film industry there but you know i'm just you know it's really competitive to try and get in and there's not a lot of people there's not a ton of productions so it's kind of just doing whatever i could and then uh, so i went from kind of being a dmt to uh i ended up moving to montreal because i got a job um at at deluxe doing like quality control on blu-ray discs mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like somehow i parlayed camera assistant into like like an office job where I was like making sure that the Hungarian subtitles came on when I select Hungarian. (laughs) And I did that for a year. And then I got a job as like a post assistant at a, at a, you know, working on reality shows. And then I got to be an assistant editor and then I got to be an editor and then I got to cut some trailers and, and kind of while I was doing all of that, you know, and since I was, in high school I was like making music producing music making records touring with different artists and it was you know purely for fun uh i really loved it i come from a musical family i played in scrappy bands i made electronic music i made beats for rappers just just again just like doing whatever i thought was was fun and and i made a little bit of film music through through my film school days and whatever um and yeah around 2010 the music thing actually like really like took off for me a bit like i got invited to this thing called red bull music academy in london england uh where they bring like 60 kind of people from all over the world and you basically go into a bunch of studios and you go to lectures and you make music for for like two weeks and shows and like and from there i got like a manager and i signed to a record label and then i was touring with sort of electronic art artists and that was going really good for a couple of years and it started to slow down and i went back to like editing and um and yeah i was just like happy to be editing and i like opened a little studio where i was doing post and i was and i had a little sound room and i was doing a bit of music here and there for some ads and for some documentaries and and you know it was all kind of just a lot of gig work and this and that and and just you know making stuff with my friends and then i reunited with jason and and i was his assistant editor on this movie called goon last of the enforcers which was directed by jay baruchel written by jay baruchel and the three of us just got so close like making this film and like like it was a long process i think it was like 10 to it was almost a year actually of post on that film so and we were doing it at jay's house so we for like 10 to 12 hours a day for almost a year we were like making sequences together for this film but also like listening to music together auditioning music auditioning against different scenes talking about history of movies watching scenes together and we all like our taste just got really like intertwined and we kind of sharpened each other's swords a little bit. And then, um, you know, I was like making little music stuff for, for Jason, for stuff he was pitching and for sizzle reels. And one of those things was dark side of the ring. And I got a chance to do the, do the pilot with him. And then Jay got another movie and I got to, uh, I got to edit lead edit his film 
but also one of the guys who did some of the music for Goon, Last of the Enforcers. He wanted him to do the music, and but he had never done a feature film before. And I I knew the ropes for post, and I had done a lot of music, and I was doing music with Jason. So then it kind of just it, it's just a lot of work, a lot of like I'll I'll scratch my back if you scratch yours, and and you know it took me. 15 years to get good enough at editing to edit a real movie and it took me those same 15 years to get good enough to at music production to like make sure. music good enough to go in a, any of those movies and just luckily i found a couple of people that wanted me to do both and um i've not done done it been doing a ton of editing over the last couple of years because dark side of the ring especially has got has been really popular and i've been doing a lot of that and now this new movie with Jason. Anyway, that's a long way of saying. No, uh, I've always done both, and it's just I've been really lucky that that the main thing has been the music lately, and I love it. And I feel like I feel like I've been training my whole life to do this in some ways, you know. No, this is a uh, that's a great story, man. The the way that you describe kind of working your way up i think is is what is awesome but i think that it is something that people need to kind of like understand i teach high school for a day job i went to film school after being in education for a while this show started um and i had a conversation with a director that just kind of inspired me like essentially i had a thing for a movie idea for a movie, but I had no idea how I wanted to make it, um, what we were doing. And a director that I was interviewing pretty much said, you're not going to learn until you do it type of a thing. And yeah. that conversation, you know, really kind of lit a fire. And we, we made a movie um, that had some success looking like watching it now, five years later, it's horrible. It's rough to watch <laughs> after, but it did inspire me to like go to film school and learn. And then you do make connections and you do like, you know, the contract stuff or whatever it may be. And so that to hear you say that, that, that like, you know, here is uh, Andrew and he has done exactly like the road that like everybody who has come before says it is. But the kids in high school nowadays are like very much instant gratification yeah. and talking to some of them. Um, so I have seniors right now talking to a few of them about like what next year holds. It's like, well, I'm going to be a computer engineer. And it's just kind of like, well, just, just like that, huh? you're going to be a computer engineer tomorrow. And it's just kind of like, no, man, like it comes with a lot of work. But once you're finally there, you I would imagine, especially in your case, that you appreciate that ride of getting there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've licked a lot of wounds, so to speak. Um, but you know, I mean, it hasn't, it, it hasn't been all glorious and it hasn't been all bad, you know, For uh, sure. and you know, a lot, learned a lot of things the hard way and learned, but learned some of the right things. Cause I get to pay my bills making <laughs> music for movies and awesome TV now. So I, I'm happy about that. Uh, we'll come back to kids in a minute, but I got because I'm a I'm a pro wrestling fan for like 30 years, man. So I gotta say the dark side of the ring show, you guys, the work that you have done on that, and some of the stories that you have found. Um, were you of are are you were you 
a pro wrestling fan before going into that job? Um, I was, you know, I, I hate, I hate this. Like, this is the God's honest truth. And I, I hate saying it because I've, I've now witnessed many people say exactly the same story to Jason and Evan. And they kind of like, like, I, I feel like it hurts their feelings a little bit. And so I, I hate, but it's the truth, which was like, I was crazy about wrestling until the attitude era kind of started. Mm-hmm. And then I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it was just the age I was, or if it just I started losing uh, interest in the subject, or if sure. I just got way more passionate about other things, like playing my guitar and no, you know, listening fair. to grunge records or whatever sure. it was in that time. But, but no, I used to go to my buddy's place for every WrestleMania and every pay per view. Like, it, you know, we had one friend who his dad. It, like the one kid's parents who who would let him get the pay-per-view mm-hmm. and we'd all go over and play Sega Saturn until the pay-per-view started. And, you know, uh, you know, so, these- like, I, so like a lot of the stuff that we've, a lot of the, you know, the big WWE guys, like yeah. I, I watched the Montreal screw job on a pay-per-view when it right. happened. Right. Right. I, like I remember like, like when, uh, when Shawn Michaels threw Marty Jannetty through the window at the barbershop yeah. at the Brutus the Barber Beefcakes barbershop, yeah. that had been the most violent thing I'd ever seen in my life up until that point. Like when Papa Shango like put the curse on Ultimate yeah, Warrior and the black tar running down his face, and uh, you know, all of like all of that stuff, you know, it it is foundational to like sort of my tastes and my my like uh my i guess my some of my instincts as a storyteller and as a musician and all of these things um but yeah i just i don't know what it was like some like something about the attitude era and when things really when all the when the companies consolidated i just kind of like slowly sort of faded away from it but well, there's still there still has not been better entertainment within pro wrestling than when the con the monday night war you know saga yeah. when they were actually competing um when they had to you know beat each other and you had the nwo versus dx like what are they going to do versus what are they going to do it's still i don't know if it'll ever get better than what that was um i, I just remember like some of the last angles that were starting to like I was starting to kind of get like what? Like I remember I remember they had like Diesel. They had like different guys come and be oh, Diesel yep. and Razor Ramon. Yeah. And I was like it's obviously not the same guys and then it was like it's supposed to be like a joke but it, like it wasn't really playing and I was just like right. like a, a lot of the magic started to wear off and they when when that stuff started happening too I think. Sure. So, but yeah, like I it it was it was huge for me, and I I totally fell off until until Jason started telling me the story of Brewers of Brody, and I was like, "Who's that? I don't know anything about that story." And he told me the story, and I'm like, "Man, that sounds like an awesome documentary." He's like, "Yeah, we we want to do it as a documentary. We want to do it as like a prestige documentary, like an Errol Morris saw one. Can you know those guys have been 
cutting promos so like their interviews would be so much better than like they'd be the best interviews you'd ever get and we just get them talking straight down the lens like they're doing a promo but they're doing telling these like crazy stories behind the scenes we'll do these reenactments and like we'll get like the music will just be you know like philip glass and like by like maybe tangerine dream and all this and i was just like man this sounds awesome and then like let me do some stuff and like and i got one point jason had like made jason and evan i guess had made like a video like a mock-up where like Jason is talking as if he's telling the story of Bruiser Brody as if he is Abdullah the Butcher or something. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. how do you do like the reenactments, but it's with Jason's wrestling action figures wow. and they're using the music from like, uh, you know, I don't, it, it sounds like some kind of uh, Errol Morris type of music and, and, you know, big sound effects and stuff. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. I hope we get to do this. And then they got to do the first one. And then they sat on it for a long time and then, yeah. and then suddenly we've got green lit. So, uh, and now I've, you know, some of the stories I really knew going into it and some of them were super obscure and new to me and sh- shocking. And, and I got to say, like, regardless of my involvement of it, like at least a third of those episodes, I feel like are some of the, you know, maybe not the greatest documentaries ever made, but like could sit, sit on a shelf with some of the greatest TV documentaries that ever made. Like I, you know, I feel like there's, they made like testament to those guys making some movies that actually like say something are really important, like actually fixed shit in the world, you know, actually are like are really enlightening about like serious health and like, like abuses of power and like crazy stuff you know i so i'm so proud of them and i'm so happy i get to work on it and and it's such an awesome show so they um they have really uncovered some of the stuff within that sport that i think that didn't necessarily get the the shine before that show like the amount of toll that it takes on them you know, both physically, obviously, but like the emotional toll of all that stuff and the way that they got that stuff out. And then, so you, as the composer to this show, is you're hitting all the, you're hitting all the feels with Shawn Michaels throwing Janetti through the window. I can remember that warrior getting sick and throwing up ooze. I totally remember that. Like <laughs> all the, so when you were composing that, the episodes for that show, like I gotta imagine for you to sit down and write music for that. Like you're, you gotta have been like, holy shit, this is some heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> I think I had to do Benoit both parts and New Jack in the same <laughs> month, man. And uh, and uh, it was a super busy. I was also working on a feature at the time, and I like didn't leave my studio like i slept on the couch in my studio for the month pretty much and the the benoit one if if anyone out there hasn't seen it if you have any interest i gotta say it's like one of the one of the like it's an amazing amazing documentary and it there is a light at the end of the tunnel but man it is the it will drag you through hell it is so sad it is so heart wrenching and you know i was like uh yeah i felt felt every every like uh every note of that one for yeah. sure that the way that you know that thing was cut 
testament to the the interview footage to the the b-roll to your score music but it was almost like watching you know the way that you called it benoit one benoit two it really is it's like two different movies almost because you you know you kind of follow him on his rise at the beginning and then you start to see the downward trajectory take take form that there may be some underlying issues there um but uh man yeah that second episode when they get into the the events that actually happened but the one thing i'll say as as a filmmaker i thought was very it was really informative and cool to see them do this was that they they told both sides of what was going on that day and they told they told like all this the stuff that had already been you know regurgitated by the media a thousand times that I think anybody who knows who Chris Benoit was had seen a thousand times at the point of the show coming out. But then they also took the time to, you know, do the interviews with the wrestlers and the producers and the, you know, the people who were at the pay-per-view that night wondering what the hell was going on. I think that just added to the emotion of the entire situation. They encapsulated it all really well. And there's, there's, there's like moments in that in the second one too is like uh you know where the uh <laughs> former uh former pro wrestler turned neuroscientist yeah. yeah shows up with you know like almost like the the cavalry coming over the hill the hill of with like scientific like uh you know hypothesis of what has happened which is unexplainable like which is like unfathomable praise you've gone through the just hell and torment and just like how could this have ever happened and then suddenly there's a guy who's a neuroscientist slash farmer pro wrestler who has studied it and knew benoit and had a hypothesis that this was going on and now there's a there's a new there's a new chapter opening of him like we're going to study his brain and we're going to make sure this doesn't happen. And, you know, yeah. just, there's just, there's, there's like layer after layer of that, that, that it just, I can't believe, I can't believe the movie they made. And, and it was such, it's such a, you know, I'm so blessed to have gotten to work on it. And, you know, it was gut wrenching to work on for sure, but it's like, it's so powerful as well, you know? The wild thing is, is the neuroscientist that you're you're referring to at the end there, because that is when there is no seemingly happy ending. That's about as happy ending as you can get. But he retired from wrestling for fear that that was going to happen to him because he had like three concussions. I can remember that yeah. like thinking because he was just on the cusp of being like the true asshole heel because he had like the persona of like almost like a modern day horseman Ric Flair where he knew yeah. he was smarter and everything else, but he kept getting hurt and that's what made him leave. But I do, I do remember watching wrestling as a fan and every time he just, it's one of those things, every time he got picking up steam, picking up steam, like you'd watch him, you know, hit his head or something and be like, Ooh, that didn't look. Yeah too kosher like that looked like it it could have hurt but on a more happier note more wackier note kids versus aliens <laughs> yeah. um the the film uh after listening and like trying to find like your actual 
songs on your YouTube channel, you have three of them that I found, and they are, I think, a good representation about the array of music that you, you know, kind of put together for this. Do you have a, a favorite song or track that you did for Kids versus Aliens? Oh, uh, well, um, so the three that are on there, it's the opening credits theme, the end credits theme, and then there is there's one from the middle called Dive In, which is sort of the orchestral suite that contains all of the theme, main themes of the movie, but it's it is from from it's like in a really uh, important part of the story that 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 piece of music actually plays, and that one of the three is got to, I'm sort of the most proud of I guess because um, I've worked with a lot of soloists and different ensemble sizes on all of the stuff I've scored before, but this is the first movie I I actually hired a full orchestra. I or, I I hired the Cape Town philharmonic orchestra to record all the orchestral parts this is about half the music wow. in the movie so it was a huge career accomplishment for me to like you know go from you know basically being a sort of one man music producing act to to like like i wanted jason i wanted jason's return to feature filmmaking to feel like a the biggest blockbuster possible and i felt like this warranted it because it's like you know it's horror but it's also action and it's also sci-fi sci and it's also fantasy because the the aliens are kind of like have this like ancient and like you know uh almost medieval feel about them in some ways yeah. and uh so i was like well we got to get the orchestra in there just to to do all of that part of it justice and, you know, and then mixing it with the synths, which is the kind of thing I'm doing all the time. And then and then there's also like action figure commercial type mm -hmm. music and other stuff, which is fun. Um, so so of the of those three, the, the dive in one, I'm the most proud of. And it was it was the most work because I as well as like it's one thing to, to write 85 minutes of music. It's another thing to write. 35 minutes of music that has to get notated yeah it just happens to be in arm's reach oh. um notated and mm. shipped and proofread and played by you know 60 musicians and Great. uh like across the world and 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 recorded and then sent back and then edited and mixed and incorporated with the film and incorporated with the synthesizers that I'm doing in my studio in Toronto and all that stuff. So uh, a lot of a lot of work went into to getting all that stuff uh, written, approved, shipped, performed, recorded, shipped, shipped back. back, edited, incorporated in the movie mixed with the movie you know all that so yeah. I'm, I'm that's the stuff i'm really proud of you well i mean rightfully so i would say that's pretty rad i was gonna ask it doesn't sound like you got to you talking about it Chip, did you have you did you get to go to any of the live recordings or meet anybody from the orchestra at all only on zoom um because I had a kind of big life event happen in the middle of this, which was my first daughter was born. Oh, congratulations, uh, man. Five weeks before five weeks before I got the first cut of the movie. So um, I 
I had, uh, you know, I'd written, as I mentioned, I'd written stuff for Jason, uh, in October. Uh, they, they shot in no, most of November. They edited, uh, they, they edited December, January, uh, December, January, February ish. I started mm -hmm. seeing stuff in February. My daughter was born the beginning of March. Wow. And then I got the, I got, I got a cut come to me ready to like, like basically the locked cut after they did all the notes and stuff mm -hmm. the second week of August. And wow. so, um, I, I'd known, I obviously knew that this movie was coming up and also that my daughter was going to be born and it's like, and I wanted to do the orchestra and the only way that it was going to be possible for me to do all of those things and be present was, uh, for me to outsource the recording of it. And, mm -hmm. and I interviewed a bunch of, there's a bunch of different orchestras around the world that, you know, due to COVID-19, they, you know, their, their orchestral calendars, like their, their seasons got postponed. And yeah. so they were looking for other ways to make money. And a lot of them started different recording kind of services, uh, mm -hmm. remote recording services. And I talked to a bunch of them and, and South Africa, I had some weird serendipity with them. And I mean, also they were great to work with. And, and then, so I, I, they were the ones that I ended up uh, hiring and it just meant that I had to be on zoom like at two in the morning for like eight, st starting at two in the morning for like eight hours on a Jeez. couple, couple of days, which is okay. Cause I was barely sleeping anyway. Cause I had a newborn in the house. Yeah, baby. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I would have liked to have gone and been physically there obviously, but like, uh, they did an awesome job and the conductor, this guy named John Walton, who ended up doing ex some extra or orchestration and stuff for me on the fly when I needed it for a couple of bits, who was just amazing. And he was so communicative and I was kind of in his ear the whole time. So I could kind of give him some slight adjustments and, yeah, it was it was it was really cool, and it, it it was also like a good way for me to dip my toe into into like you know using a like a much bigger weapon than sure. I was used to. You know, the or, or the orchestra is this giant organism of any any of any of them are better musicians than I am, and you know uh, can be you know somewhat intimidating, <laughs> but. You know, I got some nice compliments and uh, you know, some 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 eye rolls as well. But uh, you know, I I think the music works perfectly in the film and I think any of them that would see it will be proud of it. So Yeah, no, I a thousand percent agree with you, man. I think that that is wild to think of just sitting and watching them play your music and trying to collaborate from you know halfway across the world is, yeah. is is pretty rad to think that you're on a zoom call in south africa as they're performing your music for this film that's shot over here that's that's big picture stuff um the film just came out on friday everyone who i know who has, who has watched it uh they've enjoyed the hell out of it 
it is such a fun ride. You you talked about at the beginning uh, how it's not a uh, it's not a, like a long two hour you know thing. It's 75, 80 minutes, but it's like a tight eighty minute movie that doesn't have a lot of BS or stuff that you could be like, well. This movie was a seven, but it would be like an eight and a half, nine if they would have cut out the 15 minutes of, you know, whatever. Like, there's no downtime really in this thing once it starts going. It's like just the whole the whole time they're fighting aliens in the most over-the-top fashion that you could fathom. I mean, I couldn't fathom it until I saw it on the screen. I was like, holy shit, where did this come from? But uh, yeah. I I feel like it's like I told Jason it's like an arcade game or something. It's like you put your quarter in, and then you're just running from one side of the screen to the other until the until your quarter runs yeah. out. Just like beating stuff up and mashing buttons, and there's explosions <laughs> and there's flashing colors and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah it's it, it was a blast to work on and you know and I love I love working with Jason. I think he's he's got a like he's he's just got an amazing he's an amazing director he's a, he's amazing with his cast he's amazing with building these sequences and you know i think that he was just like he wanted to make a movie that was all killer no filler mm-hmm. uh for you know to be a bit cliche but that's you know there's no filler you know <laughs> And, and, uh, you know, I admire that about him and I admire that he like didn't want to sit around and dwell on any, but at the same time, I don't feel like you're missing any, you're not missing any character development or backstory flashback or like the, the casting and the dialogue is strong enough that you kind of know who all of these people are like within seconds of Mm -hmm. seeing and experiencing them. Yeah, and, I was gonna say if you don't know, they they pretty much catch you up like you're part of the, like you're going to the party with them almost. Like you know, yeah. like which kids are the jerks, which kids are the cool ones, who the nerds are, all that kind of stuff. Like instantaneously, hundred yeah. percent. Um, do you have anything else coming up this year that we would see your stamp on? Versus you know, kids versus aliens. Anything to be on the lookout for for you? Uh, well. Tales from the Territories, which was the spinoff of Dark Side of the Ring, just finished, which was uh, which was Jason and Evan, as well as the Rocks Company, which was pretty crazy. Uh, I did all the music for that as well. That just wrapped up. Um, I'm working on a video game that I can't talk about, uh, and I'm working on another thing for Jason, uh, which is probably very obvious what it is but hasn't been announced yet and uh therefore i can't i am not technically allowed to say what it is but um uh all i could say is lots and lots more stuff coming from me and jason and others that you may have collaborated with right on man the uh the territory documentary that'll be that sounds like that'll be just as good because they haven't. That has not been done justifiably yet, so that'll be cool to to be able to check out. Yeah, it's well, it's ten episodes, and each one is about a different territory. Oh, okay, and um, it's they're kind of like fish stories. They're not. It's a, it's a very different tone than Dark Side. Um, mm-hmm. Like 
they're kind of like uh, you have sort of a round table of a bunch of wrestlers from oh, each okay. different territory and they're kind yeah. of they're telling the just craziest stories and there are reenactments that are very similar to dark side um but the the overall tone is and the tone of the music like the music is like a lot of 60s 70s 80s kind of yeah. sounding stuff um and so they're they're kind of these just like not tall tales but tales that have gotten tall over years of, of telling them for sure and and you know and paying tribute to like you know guys like roddy piper and guys from who were around in the territories yeah. days who have you know passed on and uh, there's one that's all about the andy kaufman jerry lawler and, oh nice but it's all from jerry lawler's pov so it's jerry lawler basically telling the inside like what what that whole angle was like from the wrestling side out like we've seen the andy kaufman biopics and and all of this stuff but this i feel like this is maybe the first time when that someone's made a significant documentary of like from the wrestling side and and jerry jared is there and the other guys from memphis to talk about those days and who was in on it and who wasn't in on it and like how much they talk about so you know um but yeah it's uh it's available now so uh, oh nice i'll have to go check that out yeah yeah that, the uh the video game that you said you couldn't mention yet but with that do you uh because you've now done like feature film uh series episodic video game like do you you find that like the uh, the series is the most challenging just because of the time constraint or what do you what do you think is the most the hardest to compose um this yeah it's funny like um when when i was a kid i wanted to be a like a comic book artist mm-hmm. uh, like i was really into spawn and like <laughs> and shit like that and i really like wanted to like draw comic books and I remember seeing this interview with Frank Miller where he said, where he's talking about like the reason why comic books are so great and why it's an art art unlike any other is because there's such like uh fast turnaround. Like every, these guys got to do 22 pages a month, every single month, like until they die basically like that. Sure. And I feel like working on the TV show, it's like, like I didn't become a comic book artist, but this is like the music equivalent of that where it's like, I'm doing about I'm doing about 20 to 30 minutes of music for the TV show every week while it's going. Mm. And and every week there's a new one so I've got to kind of like keep that keep up that pace. So there's like an energy to that where that forces me to like write differently and the results come out differently and it's that's really exciting. Um now I've done a I've done 30 dark sides and 40 or sorry, 30 dark sides and 10 territories which so so I've gotten pretty good at that now where like I kind of I kind of know what my dance moves are a little bit and um so it's I'm in a good rhythm to do that and I've done the most of that. Video game music is uh it's really difficult because it's like you got to you got to build like a composition that's like usually like four different pieces of music that have to like fit on top of each other Mm. and, and be looping for like, could be, could loop for, you know, 
five minutes up to like 30, depending on how long it takes someone to do a level. Right. And, I, and usually there's like, it's an exploration level, like tier of the music. And then there's like a stealth tier of the music. And then there's like an action tier to the music. And then there's like a either boss or like a transition in and out or like, like win loss. And so you got to write it. So it's, it's very dense and it's like, it's an iterative process with the developers of the game. So you send them stuff and, and they like implement it into the game and it like might take weeks or months for them to implement it. And then you get notes back and then you have to like maybe take this thing apart. So it's, it's, it goes a lot slower and it's a different, you got to wrap your head around because you're kind of like building a puzzle because you don't want like something from a, you, you don't want anything to clash and, that's re- that's really hard um but it's it's super fun and when you play the game and it's your music and it's like it's a really awesome feeling and and then movies it's like something in between because it's like like you get a little bit more time you get a little bit more resources for the amount of music that you have to do than like tv um but it's you know it, it's usually like it's about a, as much as I would write on maybe four episodes of dark side in the same, or roughly the same amount of time, but it's the process of like turning it over to the mix and, and notes and all of that stuff can kind of like, like, uh, you know, just everyone's kind of working on it at a different clip than, than on TV and, 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 you know, there's more time to like, sand the rough edges in the feature mm-hmm. um so I, I i hope that wasn't too long-winded way no. of saying like they're they're all they're all really fun they all have different challenges and rewards i dark side i i'm so lucky with dark side in that like it is such a great series but also we get jason and evan really wanted to make every episode be like a different genre of cinema at time, it, like all like they all fit within the the realm of the show but also there's a twilight zone episode there's a you know there's a episode that's like like a country like, like it's almost like country music there's like mm-hmm. one that's like 90s japanese kind of arcade music incorporated in it. like there's one that's like conan the barbarian meets mm-hmm. you know there's one that's like a french mafia film you know like so i get to like i get to ex- do a mini version of like almost all these different cinematic genres with, with dark side so i don't get bored of it uh for sure yeah and so yeah right on man well andrew again congratulations on the rad soundtrack congratulations on i mean and thank you for sharing some of not just for kids versus alien but you know everything else that you have uh, accomplished is awesome getting to talk to you man hey thank you so much for having me it's a uh, fun to uh fun to chat about it and i'm i'm so stoked that you love kids versus aliens because we love it and i'm so stoked that you love dark strand of the ring because yeah i'm i this is other than my daughter, this is all I do all day, every day, <laughs> and I really care about it. And so it's really awesome to meet people that care about it too. So, right on, man. Every last thing I always do is there like a preferred 
outlet like instagram or twitter or anything that you post like what you're working on so people can kind of keep track stay up to date uh probably instagram is the best one ango underscore composer there you go ango ango which is just short for andrew gordon so there it is man there was our talk with andrew again very much a fun interview with him very much a good time was had by i think all of us and i look forward to talking with him again maybe at some point um you know those guys to be involved in dark side of the ring or i'm sorry in halfway to halloween the dark side of the ring guys so stay tuned for that that is a event that we you know, always try to put together so if we are able to do it for a third consecutive year which i think we we will it's just kind of a matter of figuring out the logistics as to when exactly we are going to um yeah i i am stoked for it anyway man looking forward to everything and always on the up and up and uh yeah so when we come back next week horrific podcast 300 on monday with the great the incomparable uh an interview that i waited you know i worked for i waited i got finally bill mosley podcast number 300 for horrific podcast i i'm stoked for you guys to listen to that interview very much enjoyed it so, yeah, until then, this week, a new writing with Horrific, a cool one. I'm telling you, man, the Oculus Quest is changing haunt season. It's changing everything. And if you kind of want a preview of sorts, we've consolidated all of our you know, HHN history along with kind of some of our virtual theme park shit that's haunt based onto a new show called cyber horror nights and i'm actually going to do a, a history show that'll be out next week from hhn 2018 um which 2020 was 30 so 19 so 28 is when i believe this was and uh you listen to the video very much similar to how any other writing with horrific show would go um but with the genuine like if i haven't done it before uh, listen to the first cyber horror night show and listen to me actually get scared like an asshole with a video game um yeah anyway thanks for watching thank or thank you for listening man if you do like to watch you can always watch the bulk of the interviews that get posted on the podcast in video form at youtube search horrific network and it should pop right up or follow us on any social media channel horrific network we have may the stars light your way throughout all your journeys may the stars light your way throughout all your days may you see all the world systems, stars, and planets.
stars light your way and see you safely home. Did you like that? <laughs>